This is Perspectives, and this is our part two video with our very special guest, Sydney, uh, who will we will continue having a conversation with her. If you watched the previous video, you, you really just heard her beautiful and, you know, I, I really want to say beautiful story. I just really think the way you evolved as a person uh, and to who you are now is this strong Black woman. So if you have not gotten a chance to listen to her story, please do. It's very impactful. Um, and so, you know, we're really just going to dive right into this because um, we want to hear more from Sydney and just from Lisette and I as well. So I'm going to turn it over to Lisette to really kind of kick off and, you know, let's let's get going. Let's get into it. Yeah, thank you, Martina. And again, thank you, Sydney, for sticking with us and allowing us to have a conversation with you. Um, I, I kind of echo what Martina said. I think your, your story, and if you listen to it, uh, we really wanted, when you started going, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not interjecting. Like, I'm just going to let her tell this story and, and we can, you know, talk about it afterwards. Because a lot of times uh, we think that we just need to interject and have conversations. And sometimes, like, no, there's, there's a beauty to your story. And just, I think there's a lot of moments where I think we all kind of relate. And I think that's where we want to go on this, on this second part is really kind of digging into some of those um, themes and, and things that you said. Um, and if you, I think I mentioned in the last video, the word security. Uh, so I kind of want to start off there uh, because you mentioned it, but you never really said what security meant to you. Uh, like what, you know, how, how was it that proximity to whiteness meant security to you? And like, how did that sort of, you know, manifest whether it's, whether it was in your life, in your mind of like, this is what it means. But just wanted to get your, your kind of thoughts. I don't know if you thought about it, uh, of what that security meant, but yeah, I just wanted to start from there. And then I think we'll, I'm sure the conversation will flow from there. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, when I say security, I think about like my dad's, um, there have been a couple of occasions where my dad has, you know, come home upset um, and has said, you know, people have followed him through the store, mm -hmm. um, you know, and because you know, he's a black man walking through the store with, you know, he's got his like street walk or what have you. Um, but I think to me, um, it means, you know, it meant, um, and I'll say that it meant mm -hmm. not standing out, um, particularly in a white environment um, or predominantly white environment. Um, it meant safety. Um, and I still didn't have that because I think about, you know, <laughs> there is a time where I was driving, I'm 16 years old and I'm driving in my boyfriend's house and he lived in the subdivision across the street from me. And I get pulled over by the police mm -hmm. um, as I'm entering his subdivision. Mm -hmm. And the officer gets out of his car and comes up to my window and asks me what I'm doing in that neighborhood. And so, you know, I mean, even thinking back on, um, you know, experiences like this, um, I realized that I, you know, like you said, it's a false sense of security. Um, it's not security. Security is knowing who you are and being rooted firmly in who you are and, you know, being ready for how the world is going to receive you and still being able to be 
strongly rooted in who you are. That's so deep. Um, so I hope that answers your question. That no, was, yeah. yeah. That was a Go very ahead, response. And I'm thinking like, I know myself having grown up in, in the South as I always talk about here growing up in Mississippi, which most people probably consider one of the most racist states uh, in, the, in the country. And you know, I ain't gonna lie. With some shit we got to work on but I, I think it's it, you that words uh security and I think for me um I think Sydney I was similar to you like I was in my 20s really probably as I got older and I think me being a darker skinned black woman that security uh because I guess in a way I'm trying to find a way to say this because it's like I'm not as close to white in skin color as other people may be. And so I always knew that that security wasn't necessarily something I could really achieve, but it was something I wanted. And so for me, it kind of came in the form of like having white friends. And there's nothing wrong with having white friends. I have friends from all different races and ethnicities, you know, it's like the United Nations up in here. I still, you know, whatever. But I really didn't really kind of come into my own blackness until like probably I, I was in grad school honestly I think that was a, an awakening for me uh, and got to know people outside of what I had been used to in the south in the south you know you got black white protestant you know it's it's a very kind of uh homogeneous type of environment and coming here to Chicago it was so different just seeing like black women just embracing who they are. And you know, hey, look at my hair. Like I got a fro today, embracing uh, my hair and the kinkiness of it. Cause I, I know when you told your story, you talked about the straightening of the hair, but all that equal that, that was that security that you were looking for to get closer to whiteness. And I think that's something that, you know, and I, and this is not to generalize people but I think a lot of black women uh, go through that and maybe even other other women of color as well go through that wanting to be like your hair a certain way I mean Lisette and I've talked about code switching on here so much I think it's almost in every video we or, did a whole video on we, it too we, we did a whole video talking about color I mean uh, code switching because it's not just in who your friends that you're with like you mentioned you just got a new job you haven't felt the need to code switch at any moment it's like it comes in so many different forms, what that security looks like. And I'm just really hearing you tell your story in the last video, just really kind of made me just come to some of those realizations too. I was into my twenties, getting close to my thirties when I realized that I have been looking for that sort of security too. And because I was not as close to it in terms of skin color, I was trying so hard a lot of times. And I, I mean, I can't change the way my skin color isn't I don't want to change but that's something it took me a long time to realize that because we we do have this idea that white is right I mean it's still a predominant idea now but I think what is happening hopefully in the world now is that well, at least here in the states we have people who are starting to be they are appreciating who they are and being a, you know I am who I am you know and you've gone through all the motions and the ups and downs of trying to fit. Like Lisette and I have talked about, people want to put you in a box. And like you said, uh, Sydney, early on, is that people are going to define you however they want to define you anyway. They they just are. And, you know, but that's not who you have to be. And I just, it just, it, you know, just made me think about that in terms of, of that security and how that's often linked to whiteness, 
you know? And that's just kind of that connection that I've made there. Yeah, I think to what you said, uh, Sydney, like it's an act of rebellion to be who you are and unapologetically be who you are. Uh, and I think it, it, it really runs through, I think when you were talking about, um, you know, wanting to straighten your hair and have that, I never had the desire to straighten my hair, but there was always that push from others to be like, oh, you, you, you would look better with straight hair or you, you know, like, like you just look nicer. And I was like, I have curly hair. Like I can't change that. Um, and I didn't struggle with it. Like I want, I straightened my hair when I wanted to do like graduation pictures or something like just where it was like something fun that I wanted to do. Uh, but I think like definitely into my twenties where I started getting into the professional world and it was like, oh, maybe I do need to straighten my hair a little more often. And, you know, there was another, now there was these peers around me and mostly why they were like, oh, when I had my straight hair, they would always compliment it. But, you know, curly hair doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't get as much compliments as, as my straight hair did. So there was a sort of mixed message in my head and to Martinez, but like it wasn't until like my late twenties, early thirties, where I started sort of coming to myself and be like, you know, it's too much work. It's too much money. Like, I, uh-uh. and, you know, I was like, let me learn how to get this hair popping every time, every week and watch, watching it. Uh, but I know friends, I know, like my sister would always train her hair out and it, it was, you know, it took her some time too to just embrace it and just be like, this is my hair and I'm gonna love it. And, you know, and there is that struggle, I think, because this idea that this straight hair, it's always a straight blonde hair that you want to have. Uh, that's beauty, right? Like that's the beauty that exists. You know, that's what is beautiful to people. Um, so I think it, it definitely, I think, runs between ethnicities and things of like the straight hair thing, like, you know, the lighter you are, the better you, your, your, your chances are in life, you know, and I think it's something that, you know, growing up in a Mexican household, you know, you definitely would hear uh, either family members or even like uh, friends of the family tell their kids like, hey, you know, marry, marry to marry a white guy, marry to a white family so you can better the race, right? And and that sort of that proximity because it's gonna it's gonna afford you better opportunity, like you mentioned, and, and better, you know, chances in life. You know, your kids will be better off because they're lighter skin and, and all these things. And that's something that's just, you know, when you think about white proximity or white supremacy, how much it has ingrained itself throughout you know different cultures and the impact it has because of colonialism and, and that sort of idea and the colorism and you know all that thing so you know you talked a lot you know you talked about that and I think that that really kind of resonated uh with me and 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 kind of just seeing it hearing another person you know sh you know shed a light in a different perspective just sort of like like how you know how how do we get away from this idea that white is better? You know, how do we really just move that and say who you are is good? Like it's the best for you. Like this is you're like it, it, nothing else matters. Uh, I'm just gonna throw that question. I'm like, how do we start moving the needle towards accepting who you are? 
you know, regardless of what society continues to sort of perpetuate or wants to perpetuate uh, from that. He's going to give a deep answer. So I'm going to give my uh, petty answer. And I want to say, I, you know, a lot like white people wanting to look like us. I'm just saying like they, you know, they want That's true. all the attributes, you know, the beauty traits, the body, like even down to the hair too. Like they want to look like us, but they don't want to be us. It's so easy. They can go and, you know, not be tanned, get your straight hair. And in a way, it's like a switch for them too. Like they can go and be white. We don't have that. I mean, not that I want to be at this point, but I'm like, we don't have that option to like be one or the other. One can't turn it off. Yeah, like we can't turn it off. Like this hair is what it is. I can't, I, I can't take it off. This not, you know, this is my hair. But it's like, I've just noticed that even with, you know, not going to get into the media, but even yes, with media, with celebrities, we just see it like they want to be like us, but they don't want to be us. Um, and that's just kind of how I felt when I was thinking about, we're talking about how we wanted to change ourselves and whether it's hair or music, you were talking about what we listen to, what we watch on TV, who we're friends with. You think white people were going through all these hoops to be, no, because they white, you know, they are quote unquote, the acceptable race. I don't know if that's so much anymore, but they were. And, but it just so fascinates me. Like, even now, if you look at your different social media things. We hear stuff, Not I don't know about so much nowadays, but every now and then we hear about somebody, you know, uh, what is it, uh, blackface or someone who was just like, you know, they're like, oh, well, that wasn't my intention. But it's like, you can go home, wash that off or whatever and still be yourself. And it's just like, they get to have that sort of uh, independence in a way, if that's the right, I don't even know if that's the right word. But I just, I just wanted to say that because I feel I was like Sydney about to say something real deep. I saw it in your face. And I was like, I just wanted to be petty for that one minute and be like, they all want to be us. They all want to be us. That's all. That's all I have to say for now. It's all deep. It's all deep. Everything we talk, like, <laughs> I mean, because it's complicated, right? So everything we're saying is deep here, I think. Um, I think exactly what you ladies are doing. Um, so open up, you know, opening folks up to conversation, you know, trying to have open dialogue, really getting in touch with different people's experiences. Um, you know, continuing to, like I mentioned my fiance, um, continuing to have honest conversations with the people who are willing to be allies, right? Because we were walking down the street the other day and I'm telling him, hey, we have kids, you know, this is the conversation that we're having with them, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just be, you know, so, um, and even his mom um, is reading a book called Post-Slavery Syndrome um, and trying to understand, you know, what the Black experience is like or what the diaspora of Black experiences is like um, here in the United States. So I think just, you know, continuing to have that conversation mm -hmm. um, is important. I also, I also think, you know, really being empathetic um, with people and giving people time to get on the same page is, mm -hmm. is important because you have people that are gonna, you know, they're living this white experience 
Um, they may love, you know, love their black friends or their, you know, black spouse or whatever, but never fully understand um, what it's like to live, you know, the experience of a person of color. Yeah. Um, but they have to try, they have to push themselves to try, you know, and it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for everybody. Nobody wants to sit here. If I'm being yeah. honest, nobody wants to sit here you know, having a conversation that sometimes feels like pulling teeth. Yeah. You know, when with people that you're having the conversation with, mm. it's hard. Um, and I can remember actually one of the very first times that I broached the topic of white privilege, um, probably back in like 2016, 2015, mm -hmm. um, when it first became like a hot topic word. Mm -hmm. um, or phrase with, um, you know, a friend at the time. And I say this to say she's no longer a friend, but um, I can remember trying to, you know, explain to her. So these two friends are coming to meet me for dinner. And this is after I had moved, or maybe it was 2017, excuse me, because I had moved back from Chicago and I was living in Michigan again. And I was meeting two friends for dinner and um, one of them at the time, both ladies are white. And one of them at the time was dating a black man. Mm -hmm. And she comes in to share um, something that happened to her earlier that day. So she was in the store with her black male partner and um, you know, feels like this black woman got an attitude with her and, you know, making faces and comments and, things of that nature about the two of them being together, being a mixed race couple. Mm -hmm. And her response to, I can only guess what was hurt and frustration on her part, but her response to this woman, to myself and the other woman who were sitting at the table was, you know, slavery happened 400 years ago. Just get over it. I don't understand why, you know, people are still upset and like why they have a problem with like, you know, interracial dating and, you know, this and that. And I tried to like, we, you know, I'm trying to think about carefully, like, how do I like, you know, stop this woman and her, stop her where she is and just explain to her, you know, the concept of like historical trauma, right? Yep. Um, the concept of systemic racism, right? Because it's still alive and well yes. um, in, you know, our school systems, in the way that we give out mortgages. Um, it's everywhere. You know, and all of the, all of these different things. It's still alive and well. And so, you know, I'm trying to explain this to her about why people would still be upset, particularly people that on a daily basis are fighting you know, just for survival based on, you know, how they look and what they, you know, what they are, they're fighting for survival. And this is, you know, a concept that's foreign to her being, you know, she's grown white, young white woman growing up in an affluent area, um, you know, doesn't really have to doesn't really have to work because her dad has like a savings for her. Again, I'm, I'm not, I say all this to say, just, you know, as context for her story, um, not that I couldn't empathize with her frustration and her hurt at the situation. Um, 
you know, and just trying to just really trying to open up that conversation. But, you know, the other woman that was at the table with us um, decides that, you know, this is uncomfortable. Like, I don't really want to talk about this. Like, can we please just change the subject? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm recognizing at this point that like the concept of historical trauma is going to be lost on these two. So maybe I take it you know, try to take it from another angle and just say, hey, well, I'm your friend, right? Like I've been your friend for 10 years. So like, think about, you know, that maybe my experience and my encounters are a little bit different than what you encounter on a daily basis. Now, just imagine that, you know, we switch places and, you know, you've got comments being made to you or whatever, you know, you just, life isn't, it's not as easy you know, for lack of a better word. It's just different. It's different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, still didn't want to hear it. And it wasn't actually until she was, I want to also say that she's, (laughs) she's a serial dater of black men. So she also has a thing. Say it again. So she's a serial dater of black men. So she has a thing fetishizing black men. Oh, I'm going to let you finish. Okay. It wasn't until um, she's dating this man who looks black, but he's he identifies as a mixed race person because his mother is white and his father is black. And, you know, she gives him more agency in terms of like explaining his experience and like, you know, is willing to listen to his experience um, and is willing to you know, vouch for his experience and being credible. And I, you know, the sense that I got was because, you know, because of the proximity to white that he had to whiteness is that she felt more comfortable being able to vouch for his experience um, or being able to, you know, be open to his experience. Um, And so, you know, we reconnected maybe a year ago um, in the midst of, it was around the time of like a string of, there had been a string of Black Lives Matter protests. And, you know, she says to me, like, you know, I finally, like, I acknowledge my white privilege. Um, and I just, you know, I'm happy for her because I feel that, this is something that was much needed, you know, even though I couldn't get through to her, somebody else was able to get through to her, you know, my interpretation of the situation, you know, may not be accurate, but, you know, it just, we were talking about proximity to whiteness. And so I think also understanding that, you know, there may be some folks that never come to that conclusion, you know, that right white privilege is real. There may be some having the understanding that there may be some folks that only come to that conclusion when it touches their own life in some way, Mm -hmm. because it's really easy. I mean, as a human being, it's really easy to be apathetic when you yourself or somebody that you love hasn't experienced something, right? how much more likely are you to give something a second thought if you or somebody else that you you know care about is experiencing something um so i think you know just it doesn't to me at the end of the day it doesn't matter how she came 
you know, it doesn't matter how she came to that conclusion. I mentioned that interpretation because I do, you know, think that it aligns with our conversation that we were having about proximity to whiteness. Um, and that, that may be the only way that, you know, some people can come to that conclusion. Um, but I think, you know, maybe it doesn't matter so much how we arrive there, but that we get there <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, hey, Martina, you no, I was just saying, so, uh, you know, this again, this to me, I'm like, so people had to lose their lives. Well, she finally got it because a lot of people have lost their lives and still losing their lives. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how she had to come to Jesus moment, but that is interesting. But Sydney, fit, please, please finish what you were saying. Um, no, I mean, that was really it. I think, you know, it saddens me that it will take that much for you know, people to like wake up, if you will, and to recognize that like not all people are treated the same. Um, you know, that experiences are very different. Yeah. Um, but I think we need to get there, you know, and there will be, you know, and be open to the fact that some people's journey might look different. You know, we just, we just talked about my journey and, um, you know, the things, some of the things that I went to, through with um, the anti-Blackness, Lissette, you mentioned, you know, about uh, a story about how, um, you know, folks might marry into white families. And I, you know, I've heard something similar from an older family member. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know, maybe the journey matters. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I have hope that we'll get there. Yeah, and I think it, it's, it's like you mentioned, it, it's its complicated, it's not easy. We all take different routes to get to sort of the, the end destination of accepting who we are. Uh, but I think a lot of the times because for so many generations, you know, this idea of whiteness has just, you know, engulfed all these cultures and, and people and, and ideals that, you know, it's, it, it does take a while. It does, you know, I think Martina mentions it all the time. Like, I don't know if I'll see changes in my lifetime, but it might take some other generations to, for it to come through. But I hope that in my lifetime, we see something kind of, you know, become better for, for all of us. Cause I, I think that the, the biggest lie is that white people don't suffer because of this. Like, yeah. I was like, no, like you all suffer too. Like, especially if you're poor and white in this country, like you, you're suffering and it's unfortunate that you don't see it. Like, and then you don't equate that uh, with, with everything that people of color suffer. Like you're suffering along with us if you're poor and white in this country, but you've been lied because you think that you're better because of your skin color and all these things that we can become a whole other episode if we tried to get into that. Um, but, you know, I think, I don't know what it's gonna take for, for, for others to really kind of come to that realization of, of what white proximity has done and white supremacy has done to, to people, to nations uh, uh, across the world. And I think, um, I think it does matter. I think empathy is a huge thing. Uh, for all of us to have with one another. Um, and 
and this sort of certain understanding of where you're at in your journey but I think it's also for others particularly white people to understand I maybe I don't want to be part of your journey at this moment you know and don't try to hold me in place or hold like try to make me part of your journey because maybe I'm not I don't want to be part of it. it's going to be more detrimental to me for me to be part of your journey and and, and it's okay and you have to understand that because I think a lot of times in, in white spaces, they demand so much from people of color and, and, and want us to like, <laughs> to uh, fix or be the ones to lead or be the ones to bring about the change. And it's like, you know how exhausting it is? Like it's exhausting for me to just be in this space right now and for you to pack on some additional things, like it, it, it's not fair. And, you know, I think you kind of made me think about that as you were talking about uh, as you were saying that that story and, and sort of accounting that that incident there, and I think it's uh, it's interesting that a lot of times people will want want you to be part of their journey, and like sort of, and you're like, no, like you have to understand that's too much you're asking from me, and you just gotta let me go. But maybe there's someone else that can be much more understanding, much more empathetic, and can get across to you much more because I'm probably just gonna yell at you and just be <laughs> if Lisette is yelling I'm I'm over here screaming so okay if that's that if that's it <laughs> but yeah but I think you kind of made me think about that like you know it's you know even thinking about my own question like what's it gonna take it's it's gonna take a lot you know and then a lot of different approaches and uh, a lot of different people to do that um to get where we want to get but yeah, it, it is a definitely complicated uh, in a long term, the long term game, for sure. It's not a short term mm -hmm. in any in any shape, way, or form. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for education reform, <laughs> starting at the K twelve level. <laughs> oh my gosh! Somebody about that, honestly, about uh, Cindy. It might have been you. I don't know. I was just literally talking to someone about. We, it has to start with education in so many ways. Um, of course, K through 12. I mean, that's just basic. Like, I mean, I'm tired, you know, as much, I, I am a big history buff. I love history. And I've, I've said this so many times. I love learning about other people and other cultures. And I really took to history. But it's just so much, obviously. I was up here in Chicago in my 20s before I learned about the Great Migration. I grew up in Mississippi the state that had the most African-Americans move from it during the Great Migration. I never knew the story. I, and I, you know, my parents, you know, they might've kind of knew of it, but didn't know the magnitude. Right. And it took me, and like I said, into my twenties coming to grad school before I learned that. It's saying, they don't teach that in history. They don't, they spend all this fucking time talking about the fucking American revolution. Don't nobody wanna hear about that no more. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, shit, we broke from Great Britain, okay. <laughs> history, like they don't tell people about the Latino history, about Lord, the Native American history, the Black history, and every time they try to have more of that education in schools, they got to petition it. Like, why do we have to petition certain things? But this is a part of American history, just as much as this fucking revo fucking revolution that we keep spending so much time talking about. Yeah. And it, you know, we we have to talk about it. And I think empathy does play. A big part and Sydney you were talking about your fiance's mom she is reading this book 
but you know, she's she's out here doing the work. She's reading the book. She's trying to learn. And I I've had to do that myself. And there, you know, if I want to understand more about people and how we work and how we're gonna, you know, function and grow together, I've had to do research on my own to learn about other people. But I do appreciate hearing that her as a white woman mm-hmm. and that I mean, and she is not the only one. There are all of us are trying to do the work to learn about each other because if we don't empathize and try to learn from one another, we're not going to see change. And the fact that, you know, I was getting ready, you know, to really talk a lot of shit about that friend. But the fact, you know, she talked about, of course, you know, slavery was 400 plus years ago. But now she's, whatever's happened, she's had a light bulb go off. And she may start to understand because, as you mentioned, she's someone who she 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 has a preference for black men she may end up having a mixed race child and something as simple as understanding your child's hair uh is a big thing and you know there are a lot of white women out here who have struggles trying to understand like how to do my little black baby's hair you know those may sound like really simple things but those are things that she needs to understand because regardless yes as we're saying sydney going back to you was like how we identify, yes, that's what matters. But how the world's going to see that child, they're going to see that child as black. And so she needs to understand if this is her preference for wanting to be with black men, um, again, there's nothing wrong with that. We all like who we like. But you, ne- you need to understand the culture. This is like, let's say, you know, if I end up marrying a Mexican brother, I'm going to try to understand, I'm going to try to, you know, understand the language, as you know, I've been learning a few. The words. language, yes, please. The language, and understand, you know, I know food plays a big role in, like, you know, the various ethnicities, and so it's like, you know, you want to do your due diligence of learning about people, and I think if we all just try to, like, sometimes just stop talking and listen to people, and and sometimes we do have to get some ugly stuff out because, you know, her saying, "Hey, that happened." that was back during slavery sometimes you may need to hear that and I want to like you know even though you didn't really get much 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 way with her the fact that she said that though opens the door to be like well why do you feel that way tell me why you feel that way sometimes we do have to hear the ugly stuff so we can try to figure out what is the root of why you feel that way and again that goes across the board white black yellow green purple and we do we have to try to understand each other. And, you know, it's not just white people. It's us, mm-hmm. us people of color too. We, you know, we all are, you know, this sounds so cliche to say, we all are one race in a way, you know, we are the human race. And that sounds again, I can't believe I'm saying that, but <laughs> you know. It's true though, we are the human race. We are the I'll human race. I'll say it with you. Yeah, you know, so we, it's like, I listen, you know, I, I I jokingly say I may not see it, but I would love to. Like it is amazing to me. Like I think about my dad, something that's not simple, but at the moment, you know, he thought, you know, he would never live to see a black president. You know, there were people who were, you know, in their eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. I get a chill. Oh, when I talk about the Obamas too. Okay. Um, but it's like people never thought they would see that. You know, they never mm-hmm. thought they would see someone other than a white man up there being the president of the United States. And we still have such a long way to go. You know, it shouldn't just, this shouldn't be such a phenomenon. We should have somebody who's 
of Latinx heritage. We have somebody of Native American heritage being eligible to be the president of the United States. And I think we'll get there. And I, hopefully I can see it. I may be 89 years old rocking the Golden Girls, but I hope I do get a chance to see see those sort of things. And you know, this year when we had the rolling in of the new uh, of the new administration, and I was super overwhelmed, you know, because we had um, the vice president being sworn in by you know a Latina justice. Uh, her husband is a, a Jewish first gentleman. It was just so much that was happening. And we had not seen anything like that in this country. Like, you know, even the even the VP, she's of mixed race, but she identifies as a black woman. It's just yeah. so, it was beautiful to see that happen in this country. And I, I hope it's not the last, even though we do got a lot of work to do, but yeah. I don't think it will be the last, not this thing. It's just, it's beautiful when we can all come together and just respect each other's heritage. And um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I had to say. Yeah, I hope we can get past this fear of diversity mm-hmm. um, and, and fear of diversity even within communities of color. I think that, that that's a, a thing that we don't often want to talk about and, and, and dig in uh, either of just, you know, the, the prejudice and the racism that can even exist between our communities of color. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Martina talked a little bit about it and probably won't get into it here, but I think, you know, that fear of diversity, uh, which I think is a theme from all of our conversations of wanting to to kind of get past and, and, and move forward from, um, but also looking at the idea of, you know, having those uncomfortable conversations and, and, and pushing for those and, and having those. And, you know, I, I really hope I mean, I know in some of the spaces I'm in, like white people kind of just shy away and, and try not to or or put some kind of defense up or like, and it's like, no, like you have to lean in because you're the ones that really need to lean in uh, and, 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 and lead some of these conversations and, and have those conversations with your peers, with your white peers, because they're not going to listen to me. Like they're not going to want to have that conversation with me at least not the first few times around. Like they're, they, they're, they're not gonna wanna have it because they can't, they might not feel comfortable saying all of the things that they've learned since childhood, you know? And it's okay, like, I don't, I also don't wanna be in those spaces. Like, I don't wanna hear what they've been taught and what they, they believe, you know? Like I don't, or what their family thinks. They might not think about what their family, like I don't need to hear it. Uh, but I think it, if one thing I've kind of, gotten from like our conversation today is sort of you know you have to be uncomfortable and you have to lean in to those conversations in order for us to be able to to move forward and and be able to kind of get somewhere better you know to get to that place where equity can exist in all areas of our our lives our governments and and all of that and I think it's uh, it takes, it's going to take a, a, a lot of different conversations. Uh, but I know we're kind of winding down uh, on time. So I want to actually give Sydney sort of uh, a chance to just share whether it's your last, you know, the last few thoughts, anything that, that kind of surprised you as you were talking and sharing your story or during the conversation, anything that sort of like said like, 
wow, I, 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 I hadn't thought about it that way. Or I'm going to take this and maybe mull it over a little bit and, and sort of see where I go with that. But just wanted to sort of give you a chance to kind of share some, some final thoughts and then we'll kind of close out. Okay. Yeah, um, one thing that I guess stands out to me, um, you know, as I was reflecting on my experience is how important um, community is. So yes. I think, you know, being in a space where I could feel comfortable to express myself, even in times of uncertainty, you know, I could turn to friends and say like, hey, this was my experience. Like, can we talk, can we, you know, unpack this a little bit? Um, I think community is a huge part of what we do. Um, and it's not just, you know, it's not just people who look like you, right? Or people who identify like you. Um, but just finding each other, um, you know, and continuing to welcome other people with open arms. Um, and I think that goes back to that empathy piece, but you know, that's something, you know, the community has really um, been on my mind. And I think, you know, especially when things get difficult um, and can continue to, you know, um, get become difficult in some instances, right? Like, so social media, for instance, we're bombarded with negative messaging still to this day about, you know, how we should be. Um, so I think community um, is going to be a really important piece of that. And, you know, just not being afraid to, to um, continue growing that community and continue welcoming others. And um, going back to what we mentioned about, you know, the journey may not matter how you got there, um, but just being able to recognize when others, you know, are ready to join um, that community. So that's uh, really all I had. Thank you. How about you, Martina? There's just some final thoughts from you. Final thoughts again. Uh, Sydney, like I said, I, you know, I have heard your story. Uh, bits and pieces of it but it was it was uh it was different to hear you share this and I, you know I know that was a, a very vulnerable space to go through and it's like for me and Lisette you know I don't want to speak for your, you but you know we talk about this all the time and you know to think that you know we know people not may not be sitting around <laughs> talking about this every day even though I think they should be you know I think we you know we got to talk about it but I just appreciate you being open and being vulnerable and sharing your story again and helping, you know, kind of helping me think a little bit more about, you know, being more empathetic towards people. And even though like uh, I have started to be, but listening to you and, cause one thing I, I, I can I can just get from you is that you want everybody to get along. I, 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 can, I can see it, you, you just do. You want everybody to come together. And that's really what we need. Like we do all need to get along. And thank you for that, for helping me, you know, kind of realize my part in this journey too, of being empathetic um, to people and, you know, remembering that I need to lean in as well. And uh, the white people still have a lot of work to do. Yes, yes, they do. Um, 
but that's it for me thank you again yeah thank you uh from my part sydney for, for sharing for joining us in conversation and and and, and sort of uh being here with us and, and, and holding your own uh, as well and, and sharing your, your, your thoughts and, and, and your viewpoints and opening our eyes to some new things as well. Um, I'll, I'll kind of just close out and say, I think empathy was a huge theme uh, throughout the, this conversation, leaning in uh, as well. And, you know, I think the one thing that I'll share is like, I hope we all find those communities where we can be ourselves, where we can open up, where we can share our, our truth and the good and the bad, the, the dark and the ugly and, and everything and, and, you know, and come out better uh, on the other side uh, and, and hopefully get that, that, that equity and that, that sort of, I can't say, I don't wanna say ideal world, but that better kind of world that we all want and that, that unity that, that hopefully we can get to. Uh, so thank you to you, our listeners, for joining us in this journey with Sydney and, and listening to her story and to our conversation. Uh, we will be having some additional uh, conversations with other women as well, so bring other perspectives. So stay tuned for those. Uh, and, you know, make sure you, you follow us so you can kind of get not notified when those, those conversations come up. Um, if you're on our podcast, make sure you connect with us uh, on social media. All of our links and are in description boxes. So make sure you connect with us. And again, thank you, Sydney. Uh, and thank you to everyone listening. And we will see you next time. Or, you know, you'll hear us next time as well. Yeah. And Sydney will be back. She may not know it. Yeah, but she will be back. One day. She yeah. will be back. <laughs> All right. Pleasure, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye.